0: From the title of your show, I'm Not a Comedian, I'm Lenny Bruce, it sounds like this is not a stand-up show. This is a piece of theater about the great comedian.
1: That's exactly right. It's exactly what it is. Good
0: morning, good afternoon, good evening, whatever it is, wherever you are. I'm Austin Titchener, one-third of the Reduced Shakespeare Company, and you're listening to this week's Reduced Shakespeare Company podcast, number 873, Lenny Bruce Lives. and writer Ronnie Marmo has been touring his one-man show I'm Not a Comedian I'm Lenny Bruce for over 400 performances and since he's about to return to the Chicago area for two shows I was thrilled to be able to talk to him about how he created his one-man show how it's changed and how his
1: passion for performing came to be it's a 90 minute ride where we take you through his life I do take the audience back in time and do some of the bits for sure but they're kind of woven through woven is that a word woven yeah yeah I weave them through uh the show and uh so I don't know how many I do I probably do close to I don't know eight nine bits throughout the 90 minutes so I you see some of his uh stand-up brilliance but you don't uh, but it's not a stand-up show and it's not a uh what do you call that one the, a tribute. It's not a tribute. They think I'm going to come there and do an imitation. Right. A tribute. Though, and It's not that. So,
0: Right. Yeah, that, that makes sense. It's not the Lenny Bruce experience.
1: No, it's not. You know, it's not the Elvis on the corner of Hollywood and Highland just doing my Elvis routine. You know, it's uh, <laughs> it's uh, definitely a look at his life in a very honest, vulnerable way. I mean, I, I feel like, you know, when you see these things about Lenny, they usually have a very similar foul mouth comic you know, bitter comic. And he was so much more than that. And so this is what I'm proud about the show. Joe Mantegna and I put this together. I'm proud that, uh, you know, you really get a glimpse into who he was as a human being, you know?
0: Right. He did this.
1: I mean, all all
0: comics have fonts of anger that we draw from, emotional resources, but he did this out of passion for language, for to communicate, to kind of
1: change the form a little bit, didn't he? Yeah, but but I don't think he set out to do that. I think it was just so genuine that he was like, well, I just want to talk about this subject and this subject. And I know you think they're taboo, but let's discuss it. And he held a mirror up to society and talked about things that nobody was talking about, including his personal life. Like at that time, it was, you know, Henny Youngman, take my wife, please, you know? And Lenny was like, no, so listen to what happened with my wife last night. And people are like, what? You know? And so, and now that's all we have is storytelling comics. But at that point, Lenny was really a trailblazer, you
0: know? How did you get started in your fondness for Lenny
1: Bruce? You know, about, about, uh, I guess about 16 years ago, this wonderful comic called Charlie Brill, Charlie Brill and Mitzi McCall, their comedy team. Charlie came to me one day. I get to have lunch with Charlie, Bobcat, uh, 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 Jack Burns, rest his soul, he's one of my favorite people, he just passed, so all these old school comics yeah. allowed me, and Bobcat would probably get mad because he's not that old school. But anyway, yeah. the other guys, yeah. uh, the other guys uh, would let me have lunch with them every Wednesday and we would hang out, we talk, and one day Charlie said, you remind me of Lenny, do you know who Lenny was? And I said, well, I know, of, I know his name, I'm a bit too young, but I grew up on Carlin and Pryor and those guys. Yeah. And he said, uh, I have this one-man show I'd like you to read. You do it, I'll direct it. And it was called Lenny's Back and Boy Is He Pissed. And uh and it was cool. And I it took him two years to talk me into it because I was quite nervous because I thought Lenny would only be in his 70s and his friends or 80s, early 80s, and his friends would are still alive in California. So they're all gonna come see this show. And I don't, that's a big responsibility. But after a, couple of years of him you know we 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 ended up uh we ended up having a, a little bet and i lost and and i did the show and then i realized how important it was i fell in love with lenny and i and his friends would come every night and they'd sit in the front row and they would cry and lenny lenny and then uh after i did a 6 month run it went really well put it down for 5 years did another 6 month run went really well cuz i wanted to revisit the material and then i realized we weren't doing his actual routines. Uh, there were certain rights issues that this playwright had. And so we were, it was kind of like, I don't want to say it was a, it, how do I say it? It basically was it was a, a gentler version of what I wanted to present. I wanted you, to show you the whole man, you know, right. the entire guy. So uh, I set off to write my own and I took uh, took about five years to do that. And I got the rights to the material. And um, and now we've been running six years and uh 424 performances. So this Saturday, is it this? Saturday? No, next Saturday. I'm in Chicago, 425th performance. So
0: oh, that's amazing. Yeah, yeah. And
1: you're in the last time
0: you were here in Chicago, you played like the cabaret side room of the Mercury Theater. And I was dying to get down there and i didn't get to see it because i think i was out of town but 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 now you're playing in a bigger hall do you find a difference in your in your performance or the audience response depending on the venue
1: well i was concerned about that and i play i've played everything from 49 seats to 1600 in pittsburgh and lots of in between and we've been averaging anything between 500 and a thousand on tour. So I was concerned. And so is Joe, but it turns out the show still plays very intimately. I guess the only difference would be is that when I get a laugh, like in in Pittsburgh in the 1600 seat, all the way in the third deck, the laugh rolls. And by the time it gets to me, it's, you know, it's a couple of seconds. So it's like changes my rhythm a little, but, uh, but the show is such a living, breathing organism anyway, that it doesn't really matter because all I have is right here, right now with even though the words are the same. I've, my, my audience is my scene partner. Yeah. And so here we are doing what we do tonight. And so uh, it was definitely, you know, the Royal George was about 180 seats and that's where I started. I ran there for six months and then I went to the Venus, as you mentioned, which was, I don't know, about 90 seats or so. Um, so the intimacy, it was very important for me to keep the intimacy of what it was. And I think we do a good job at that.
0: I've never done stand-up. And I have such respect for even the stand-ups that that uh, that, I, that I see and I don't find particularly funny, you know, because they're up there and they're doing it. And what's it like to do oh, – I've never done a one-person show either. What's it like to rehearse a show where your only scene partner is the audience that you have to wait to be in front of?
1: You know, that's a really cool question. And funny enough, I, I've done, I've been very blessed with the amount of press we've done in six years and no one's ever asked me that question. So I, I appreciate that. <laughs> uh, what's it like? Well, let me start by saying to rehearse alone in a theater for six hours a day with Joe Montaigne as, as an Italian American actor. And, and I look up to him so much both professionally and personally, you've got to bring your A game. So really my whole audience was Joe, yeah. you know? If he was giggling, then I thought I was onto something. If he had a tear on his on his, on his his face, I said, wow, that really touched him, whatever. So, So it starts there. And I guess the best way I can, because I've never thought of this answer, but I guess the best way I could put it is you learn it the best you can. And then you give yourself over to the material and the audience and you just hope you get to the end of it. You hope you get to the end without running off stage going, forget it, forget it. This is too much. I give <laughs> up. Surrender. Hi, I'm Mark Larson, the author of Ensemble, in oral history of Chicago theater, and you're listening to the Reduced Shakespeare Company podcast.
0: Where can you RSC the RSC? This fall of 2023, we'll be performing the complete history of comedy abridged and the ultimate Christmas show abridged around the country. Check out the touring page at our website, reducedshakespeare.com, or our Facebook page or Twitter feed at Reduced for the latest information. And now back to my conversation with Ronnie Marmo, talking about the creation and the ongoing performances of his one-person show, I'm Not a Comedian. I'm Lenny Bruce. You're weaving in Lenny Bruce's material that's, you know, 60 close to 70 years old. Do you find that 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 the reception to the material has changed after 3 or 4 years?
1: A million percent. Uh in fact, when I wrote the play and it's it's a it's a work in progress always, you know, I'm tinkering you know, but but when I'm when I wrote the play, I realized that uh, a lot of material might not hold up. Uh, you know, it's been often told to me that if you find Lenny Bruce on your own and you're a young person today and you find Lenny Bruce on your own without the show, you might miss the genius. Yeah. You know, there's a chance you'll miss it because he was trying to find his voice. and he was. But if you see the show and then you go search Lenny Bruce, you'll get it. So I I really was strategic about what material I picked that I thought either was funny or, and still held up today when it was funny, or really had universal themes in it, or really made uh, the point of who Lenny was as a stand-up. For instance, there's a bit I do called, to is a preposition, come is a verb. And it's a very famous bit. And some nights I get a ton of laughs. Some I get zero. They just yeah. stare at me like I'm nuts. And <laughs> at the end, you wrap it up into the point of those words to come and and what and how that's the recreation. That's how we're recreating life. Yeah. And how can those words be offensive, you know. And so he always had a point. And so the, and there are a lot of bits like that in the show over the last three years since before and after George Floyd the situation which was obviously horrendous i used to do a very famous uh bit that lenny did call it was about the n word oh yeah and lenny bruce and i had it in the show for you know 3 4 years and i cut it after george floyd i just i just felt like that 2 minute bit doesn't encapsulate lenny and i would hate for anyone not to listen uh i the bit was was i understood the bit i understand what lenny was trying to say and i supported it in the show, I thought, wow, this is really, this is really dynamic to do this bit, you know. But then once that happened with in our country, it was just torn upside down. I was like, you know, it's not worth it. Uh, it's just not worth it. So I replaced it with a bit that I actually think works better called The Meaning of Obscenity. and uh, And so that was the only real change I made. The rest have been like tinkering, you know.
0: Well, and it's interesting you talk about language because, as, as I said in my email, I tell all my guests prior to, you know, I I leave in shits and bleep out f**ks and you can go as blue as you want. But with Lenny Bruce, whose act was so much about uh, language... Um, that what can what defines an obscenity is one thing. Like I saw Carlin when I was in high school in Berkeley, California, and 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 it felt like every other word was the F word, and it was funny and it was great. But but the but the F word began to lose some of its power, and I went, wait, I I kind of like being a strong, powerful word. I don't want it diminished by overuse. How, is that a
1: thing you've thought about or considered? Well Lenny, Lenny was known as a foul mouth comic, but the truth is he didn't curse all that much. He was just his whole thing was is that he would have a conversation with you like he would in his living room. So in other words, if he said in his living room about this fucking guy blah, 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 whatever he said, he would say it on stage but he was he didn't overdo it. The, I believe that the words were an excuse for arresting him and they labeled him this foul mouth comic but i just think he was so smart yeah and threatened by him that they had to find some reason i mean he was arrested for obscenity multiple times including chicago his first arrest was in chicago in 1962 at the gate of horn uh right across from mr kelly's which is now uh, gibson steakhouse down there <laughs> but uh, he was arrested at the gate of horn for doing a bit called Religions Incorporated. And it didn't have one curse word in it.
0: Yeah, yeah. And
1: he made the Pope Jewish and some Catholic cop was offended and they arrested him. But really, I think they were just uh, threatened by him. And uh, that that conviction was eventually overturned. Uh, yeah, It
0: wasn't the words, it was the ideas that were threatening that he was yeah, daring he would,
1: to talk about. He would get on stage and talk about taboo subjects. He would say like, so Jackie Kennedy, she's on the cover of, of Time Magazine. Let's talk. You know, and so if you had anything to say about Jackie Kennedy that was against, you know, mm-hmm. so that was just. Listen, there's always that first guy to come in and 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 tell the truth, and then, and then you know, the, there's a new line that has to be drawn, and you step over it, then there's a new line, I and mean, you know how that goes. And so Lenny, to me, was the smartest guy in the room, even though he was a hipster, he was a street guy, but he was the smartest guy in the room, and they they really took offense to that, I think. Yeah. yeah
0: um so what's your origin story in this business
1: go biz uh you know it's funny I, I I was uh growing up I had no idea what I was gonna do I was I was born in Brooklyn Italian American family lived in Jersey most of my life and uh you know I school was you know wasn't exactly a priority for me so I genuinely didn't know what I was gonna do I was a garbage man for a couple of years I tried that I I I worked at a pizza shop. I was a delivery guy. So so then one day I went to a play with my mom who ended up passing away at 53. Very young woman. It's it's ridiculous. Mm She can't. But anyway, my mom and I went to this, this local community theater show to see this guy we knew, you know, and I couldn't believe this hundred seat house, this guy, Pat Carpenter, who I love this guy. I saw Pat Carpenter and Robin Mandelakis, who's still a dear friend of mine. They were on stage in front of this audience, and I couldn't believe my eyes. I was like, "How did they do that? What a relationship!" And the audience, and it was this. Just... so. I I said to this guy Pat Carpenter afterwards. I said, "Hey Pat." So he, my mom said, "You should do it. You should try it." I go, "Ah." She's like, "Look at you. You're all lit up." I go, "Ma, I can't do this. This is not <laughs> for me. I can't get in front of all those people." So she passed away. So I called my friend Pat, and I go, "Hey Pat." Remember that uh, play I saw? If you hear about any other tryouts, I didn't even know it was called an audition because I'm a sports guy. I was like, if you hear any tryouts, I'd like to try out for the play. Yeah. And he said, you know, there is one coming up. And he told me about it. And I went and I got the part. And uh, and that silly thing, I hate to be cliche, but I walked on stage opening night and 99 people were staring at me. And I went, oh my God, this is amazing. And so I knew, I knew at that moment that, I was going to make this part of my life. I just didn't know if I was actually going to make money. I knew that some portion of my day would be dedicated to this thing I found that I fell in love with. And then shortly after I got really lucky, I did a few local plays, went on tour with Tony and Tina's wedding, got paid $800 a week to act. I could not believe it. I was like, you're going to give me $800. I'd do this for nothing. you know? Yeah. And then, and then I ended up in LA and I've been very blessed. I, I, the last job I had outside of showbiz was uh, the macaroni grill in the summer of 98. I was a waiter. And so uh, I've been really lucky and I understand that. And I also taught myself how to write and how to direct and how to produce because I didn't want to be a one trick pony waiting for the phone to ring. And so like I created this piece of art we're talking about. Yeah. And I just wanted to make sure that I was employable in many ways and I also, as I told my daughters, like I wanted to be the one handing out the jobs, yeah. not waiting in line for the job. And so that was kind of my journey. You know, I've done about seventy films. Been very blessed. I've been on, you know, spent a few years on General Hospital, and but the theater is my heart. And unfortunately, you can't make a great living in the theater usually. This show's been very, very blessed, but generally speaking, yeah. so so you you do the other stuff. And theater is what you. I always tell young actors, like, pursue this the other stuff aggressively, but make sure you're always in a play. Always be in a play, whether they're paying you or not.
0: That's it for this week's Reduced Shakespeare Company podcast, except for one more thing, which I'll share with you in about 60 seconds, so stick around. Ronnie Marmo performs his one-man show I'm Not a Comedian I'm Lenny Bruce at the North Shore Center for the Performing Arts in Skokie, Illinois on September 9th, 2023 Go to LennyBruceOnStage.com for more information and to see where you can see the show near you Then send us your obscenity problems via email to feedback at shakespeare.com, or throw a comment to us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram or on our own actual website, reducedshakespeare.com or visit my website, theshakesperians.com. You can also follow Ronnie and the show on Instagram at Ronnie Marmo and at I am Lenny Bruce. Thanks, as always, to brother of an Irish cop, Matthew Croak, web services by Ginger Power Limited, music by John Weber and Garage Band. Our random fan shout-out this week goes to Charmaine Klein. No reason, it's just random. Special thanks to Mark Larson, author of Ensemble, An Oral History of Chicago Theater, and the forthcoming biography of Ed Asner. And as always, thanks very much to you for listening. Please continue to stay safe and keep your masks on. I'm Austin Titchener, 873-2619th of the Reduced Shakespeare Company. Kudos to your mom. Hat tip to your mom for seeing how how it lit you up. That's
1: amazing. Oh, yeah. And the truth is, had she not come with me that night... Had she not passed away, a young woman, I don't know what I would have done. But I was like, well, because I was a total mama's boy. I'm like, well, the worst has happened. Now I'm 24 years old. Like, what am I doing? What am I doing? If I actually am attracted to that. Go do it. Life. I learned quickly. Life is flying by, and uh, and so I fell in love with it. And it's hard work. And uh, what's that saying? I haven't I haven't worked a day uh, since I came into show business because it's like incredible to do what I do. But I work 20 hours a day.
0: This podcast is a production of the Reduce Shakespeare Company. Reducing expectations since 1981. Go to ReduceShakespeare.com for performance dates, actor bios, email newsletters, and so much less.